Hello, welcome to the Dairy Dive. My name is Scott Harris. Today we're going to talk about silage inoculant. So buckle up because we're diving deep. First of all, we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit, a little bit. My whole life's been dairy farming. Some days he wonders why he ever milked cows. It's kind of just in the blood around here. I don't know what it is, but we like livestock. Buckle up. The Dairy Dive starts now. So at this time, we'd like to bring in our guest, uh, Renato Schmidt. Renato is with Lalamond, and I'll let him talk more about himself because he knows a lot more about himself than what I know about him. But uh, we'd like to welcome Renato. So Renato, welcome to the Dairy Dive. We are glad to have you uh, with us today. Thanks, Scott. Uh, The pleasure is all mine. It's always exciting to talk about inoculants, about silage. And uh, just about a little about me, I'm originally from Brazil. I came to U.S. to do my Ph.D. with Dr. Liming Kang, so I did a lot of studies with silage management, especially inoculants, and that was an easy transition to Lalaman, where I work with the tech team, and I provide any sort of support that distributors, my co-workers, anybody needs. So I've been with the company for the past 15 years, and it's still it's still fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Where are you located at, Renato? I am located just outside Milwaukee, where we have one of our plants. So we have a bacterial plants right here in Milwaukee. And it's actually one of them that works and makes the inoculants. Yeah, so I've learned a lot about Lalamon since uh, since kind of uh, going into partnership with you guys. That you guys definitely do a whole lot more than just silage inoculant. Uh, Lalamon is in a lot of different... Their yeast product, right, is in a lot of different things that one may drink on a Saturday night uh, around a campfire, possibly even, or something like that, right, Renato? You guys are in a lot of different areas. Yeah, I think basically whatever has a yeast or a bacteria, we have some type of, <laughs> of business going on. We have our, you know, the division I work, that's animal nutrition, but also human nutrition. It starts as a baker's yeast, and then it starts diversifying. So you're very strong on the... Uh, winemaking and also the bubbling spirits uh there's ethanol fuel there's a fairly new division that's called plant care so like like you said it's you go to to have like a, a drink or a wine and it's probably some yeast from lalaman or you have some snack and there are some flavor enhancers that's a bright product of microbial fermentation so pretty much there is like a little bit of these uh, very interesting microorganisms in yeah. our everyday lives. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we we appreciate that, and uh, it's kind of yeah, I think that Lalamont's one of those companies that we don't even realize how much we probably should appreciate all that they do. But today, we're not talking about any any of that other stuff, that boring stuff. Today, we're talking about exciting stuff known as silage inoculant. And so, I've worked, I've had the pleasure of working in the. Uh, dairy industry for around 12 years now and i go on a lot of farms that i I don't know what the numbers actually are renato but i would say a pretty decent percentage of them are using some kind of inoculant but there are still definitely uh farms out there that aren't you tend to see that more in the beef industry uh that they are not there's less farms in the beef side using it that are starting to look at it more so i think where we want to start is to address those individuals that are might be listening to the podcast of 
Renato, regardless of the company, but obviously we're gonna you're gonna favor Lalamon. But just before we even get into the benefits of Lalamon, why should I even be looking at an inoculant? What are some of the you know main benefits, or you know, why is it so valuable? Yes, if we go back just on like the basics of uh, the styling process, then there are like four main factors or pretty much vital items that we should consider for a successful ensilage. And the first one is that the forest should have a proper moisture content. And this process relies on the conversion of simple sugars to ideally lactic acid. So it's a lactic acid fermentation that will basically pickle everything. So we need the moisture. We need uh, some sugars for the fermentation. And we're talking about uh, anaerobic fermentation. So that's why it's important to pack. That's important to cover and get rid of that air. And it's one of the things I always say is like you do some uh, fermenting or canning at home. You do the brine, you put whatever you want to pickle. And there's always a, a way that you put on the top just to avoid that contact of whatever you're pickling and with the air. So basically air is the worst enemy of ensiling. And the fourth is that you need the proper microorganisms to do the job to make that conversion of sugars to acid the most efficient as possible. Because it's, it's like a, a run against the time, let's say, and you're trying to maintain the majority of the original nutrients and dry matter of the plant that was harvested. Right. So, there, I mean, there's definitely an economical benefit that the farm needs to be considering when you, even if we just, okay, if we, even if we just look at dry matter uh, percentage, right, Renato, as far as if I could, if I can salvage or save even 5% of my dry matter by giving it good health and protecting it and using a good inoculant, that's, that's, I mean, that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, when when we think about you know how much that can represent, and you just try to figure out just a little cowboy math on what's the value of a ton of corn silage, you know whatever you know around your neck of the woods, and I know this is really high, but just to make life easier, let's just think about you know a hundred dollars, and if you save not five, but let's say like even like three percent, which is quite low than we would expect, and that's already three dollars, and this is just dry matter savings it's just shrink losses we have to remember that the most digestible nutrients they're going first so all that juicy stuff the amino acids the organic acids residual sugars and not only we end up with less material but then this material has a lower quality Mm. Mm. yeah so it's not just having less of it but the stuff that is there is not going to be as good that's interesting and definitely something that you need to be thinking about guys if you're if you're really on the fence or you're going back and forth and we know that in the dairy market things are things are tight and so you think well what do i eliminate um this might not be the first one you should think about eliminating right renato and so so then i think the second question that comes to mind for me and what i run into the most when talking to customers is inoculants like um a lot of other products in ag is there's a bunch of them you know there's a bunch of different companies there's a bunch of different products within companies there's a lot of you know terms get that get thrown around that maybe the average dairyman doesn't understand um so i guess the way to ask it is what are a few of the key factors that a farm should be looking at when they're deciding what inoculant do i use 
Uh, first of all, I would recommend just to, you know, check the history at that specific property or farm and see what type of challenges have happened throughout the years. If it's mostly during the growing season, if it's always like some issues with the drought or issues with feed-out stability, or sometimes <clears throat> basically you just want to get more on the dry matter, just make, just improve that fermentation, just save on the dry matter and nutrients. So this will be the deciding factor on what type of inoculant to choose. But then uh, on what company you should go, I would recommend, first of all, ask for some data, independent data, mm. published research that will show that the product works and it's done independently with university or research stations. Uh, the reputation of the manufacturer and distributor. Also, what else is involved on this, let's say, cost of the product? How's the uh, Custom service, is there any type of tech support that's offered throughout the year doing uh, silage evaluations or, or audits? Uh, also, the quality control, if everything is done properly. <clears throat> and as I said, not all the inoculants, they, they're the same. So, you know, you try to look at the ingredients and challenge the uh, salesperson or even the tech support from the distributor or the company that's that's making this uh, this product. Just asking why you have all these uh, different bacteria. How about how much am I applying? And uh, if there are some like enzymes or what else is involved on this. So it's uh, the cost alone should not be the only factor. Of course, you have to think about the product, but then how much you, it took to develop that product, and what else the company is also offering along the uh, the product, the inoculant. Right, so you may have a lot of companies that try to play in this space because maybe they have one ingredient or, or two ingredients that might work in an inoculant, so they just kind of play in this space, throw a cheap product out there, but have no data to back up the claims. Um, maybe, yeah, sure, it's cheap per, per treated ton, but it's just no value. It's almost like just putting water on. Or is that fair that there would be some of that out there in the industry? Yeah, I would say that if you don't have any data and you don't know how the product was done, you don't know how the viability is of the, of the bacteria, you know, it's hard to, to have some sort of like a, a positive expectations. Uh, there are some ingredients sometimes that, you know, it sounds really interesting as a story or as a marketing point. You know, we hear a lot about uh, oxygen scavengers. So this is one of the of the words that everybody likes to throw on this, uh, on the inoculant world. And all the lactic acid bacteria, they survive and they are active in the presence of oxygen. It's not specific of one strain or one species of bacteria. So sometimes, you know, they use this, uh, this verbiage, but it's not all true. And even, uh, for example, you look at the label, and it shows that all oh, this product contains enzymes, but pretty often there's no information about the enzymatic activity. Mm. So it's it's like you you buy something and you don't know how many of those ingredients are there or how much effective it will be. 
Man, that's a really good point and something that uh, I think shouldn't get lost on the listeners. And and so kind of speaking more to – let's kind of get into specific use here a little bit. So when you think about – okay, so every farm is obviously different. Every farm, while they actually end up facing a lot of the same challenges, every operation is still different. Um, and so I think one of the questions that I that I have or that I've I've been asked is – how much does when I'm going to open up my pit or my bag or whatever it may be, how much of that should be a factor in determining which inoculant within a company or what company I may use? How much do I value do I put in that part of it, Renato? Yeah, well, let's first just classify the inoculants in two different you know, types of inoculants. So the first one, it's more for that initial phase of the fermentation. So we call the active ensiling, the conversion of sugars to acid. And basically, like Dr. Uh, late Dr. Bolson used to say, every single load should be treated with an inoculant. And, you know, once more, those are the type of inoculants that will help you to save on dry matter and the nutrients during that conversion of sugars to acid. So these are available on their own just this type of, let's say, traditional or homolytic product. That's what they're called. But uh, also, if you're thinking about that feed-out stability, then there is a different class of uh, inoculants. So the first one that I just talked about, not only you make the process more efficient, but you make it a little quicker too. So it helps for that, let's say, early silo opening if the inventory is short on that property. But now the second type of inoculants, they've been characterized by a bacterium called Lactobacillus buchneri. So it was really a game changer in this world of microbial inoculants because it gave, it was the only microbial solution, biological solution, to extend that, uh, let's say, shelf life or feed out, or just improve the feed out stability. So this bacterium produces a moderate amount of acetic acid, and that works exactly like propacid, and propacid is the most common ingredient on TMR stabilizers. So this product is being like wonderful and people love it, but there is just a little issue is that you should wait theoretically 60 days to open the silo just to see a consistent effect of the inoculant of these products containing Lactobacillus buchneri. Now, more recently, uh, our company is started selling a product that contains a similar, genetically a similar microorganism. It's called Lactobacillus hilgardii. And in combination with Buchneri, it allowed a much sooner silo opening, so as early as 15 days. So it's almost wow. like they had this synergistic effect between the Buchneri and hilgardii. And of course, the longer you live in the silo, it's just the better you get more of that stable product, if you will, and specifically in some uh, in some crops, you know, normally like with with corn silage, you see more also on the start digestibility. But at least with this product, you have that protection in case that you need to open the silo early. Yeah, that's so great, and and I think that you know I do know a little bit about that product. Obviously, we've we've done some training and have learned about that product. And and the way I would see this, if I'm thinking, if I take off my my salesman hat and my seed my company hat, 
I mean, if I'm a farmer, I mean, I, I we're not going to get into specific pricing or anything, but we do know that the product you talked about that's a that could uh, stabilize to be able to open in 15 days. That's a little higher price point. But I think reality is, if I if I'm in a situation, I don't necessarily have to use that on every acre. Maybe I use that for this for the stuff that goes in last that I know I'm going to have to feed out first, and then I use a different um, you know Lalamon product or Magneva product um, that to cover the rest of my acres. You know that that still has some benefit, but maybe doesn't have quite the cost. So I think there's if you're working with somebody who can help you talk through that and plan through that, I think there's a lot of benefit. And you can manage your cost well in that scenario. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's all about you know, you see what type of crops, what type of uh, challenge the producer has. Uh, some of the crops that will be fed like during you know the hot summer time, then it will benefit of this technology. And those uh, the silage that you that needs to be open early, and there's been some issues with feed out stability Hugardia product you know we call the Magneva Platinum it's just a perfect uh, candidate for this type of situation and like I said it doesn't have to be on, on, on everything it can be more like on a niche type of a, a situation mm-hmm. and uh, and because it was uh, it, it's a brand new product it's a novel species of lactic acid bacteria and also just like on the fact of the cost we spotted this uh, bacterium all the way back in 2009 at the International Silage Conference that was held in Madison here in the U.S. And actually, the next one will be in a couple of weeks in China. But uh, from 2009 until we finally launched the product last year, you know, it, it took a long time just to make sure that the bacteria was working and then it worked well in combination with, uh, with the Buknorai and how we made the product and going through all the legal aspects and the regulatory. So it, it, it took a lot of uh, investment. It's not just something that we decided to pick up a bacterium here, here and there and mix everything and voila, we have a new product. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it, it's, uh, it, it took quite a bit of uh, time and investment to launch finally the Magneva Platinum. Yeah, that's awesome. That that's going to be so fun to work with that and work with you guys on that. And we hope that some of these listeners will will kind of will ask us some questions and find out about that for them. So, kind of moving away from product specific things a little bit, Renato. One of the biggest concerns, you know, from when you're selling seed for a living, like what I do, one of my biggest concerns always is I can sell somebody the best product in the world, but if they do not treat it well, if they fly it into the ground in a, at a high speed or they just don't treat the product correctly and go by proper uh, planting standards, it's not going to matter how good the product is. What are some things from the management side as far as managing your silage um, or from the just the overall uh, you know way we treat it that has an effect on the on, on how that inoculant is going to be able to do its job? Yeah, management management is is imperative. Uh, first of all, it will be dependent on the type of uh, on the quality of the initial material of the fresh forage that will be siling. So it should have like a high nutrient value, high protein, how uh, high uh, fiber not high fiber but high fiber digestibility, a good uh, overall digestibility of all the nutrients. 
and uh, also that moisture range that I mentioned in the beginning. And depending on the situation, the type of crop, the, the stage of maturity as well. So this will be the starting point. Like you have to start a high quality forest to end up with a high quality silage. Now in between, you have all those different steps and they're equally important. It's the chop length, it's how you'll be inoculating that, you know, ideally will be at the chopper. So the microbes will start colonizing the plant particles and you take that to the silo and there is a good uh, synergy between the people that are bringing the silos with the, uh, the, the harvest rate, if you will, and the folks that are in the silo pushing and packing. So there should be enough time just to pack everything properly and get rid of air. And I know right now it's a challenge because these harvesters, they go so fast and harvest like a huge amount of tons. But still, in the end of the day, you have to remember, air is the worst enemy of the silage. So we have to make sure that everything is properly packed. And after it's packed, then the next phase is to cover everything. And this is, you know, like I mentioned, there's still like a little bit of a, a struggle when I go to like feed yards. Some people, they just don't cover and I know this, it's kind of like a miserable task and it's hard, especially in places <laughs> that you have a lot of wind. And, yeah. But then you leave all that outside area, that surface, and sometimes you look like a little bit of spoilers. Like, oh, it looked like a six inch and eh, it doesn't look that bad. But those six inches, it's about three or four times the, the original thickness of the material that was about you know foot and a half or that was a lot of silage that was lost and you just see that crust mm. so this is another point that it, it's important so all these different phases they are equally let's say vital for the process and after that the feed out management of course that we try to remove you know at least six inches a day and have that face, you know, nice and clean and straight and just winning that war that the oxygen is trying to penetrate to the face. And you just feeding out a little little bit every day, you just win that race and you just keep feeding that high quality material to your animals. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's so good. And and you know, we we say these things as not a bash on the individuals. Uh, who are in this system because we understand and are sympathetic to you've got trucks running choppers going you got a custom chopper guy there and he's trying to get to the next farm to get to the next farm to get to the next farm and so they're trying to go as fast as possible and, and some of this stuff just can easily get missed but the manda it is vitally important uh to make sure we are packing and putting this silage up properly because if you're not going to do that well and you're not going to you know able to cover it I mean, you're, you're not going to get the benefits out of any inoculant, but I know particularly with uh, Lalawan, is that just a fair way to say that, Renato? Yeah, it's inoculant, it's a good uh, tool in the box, but it's just a tool in the box. So it's not really uh, uh, a magical solution. And on recently on a survey that was done internally, we saw that a lot of producers, they will use an inoculant if they see there is a challenge. So it's it, it's okay. That's another tool you're using, but you should not expect that to resolve everything. Yep, absolutely. It's only it's only going to be as good as the situation you put it in. So, last question I have for you, Renato, we're wrapping up here. Is 
we've covered some really good stuff, some exciting kind of new things with you guys and, and just the overall process. What's one? You only get one. Now, no more than one, Renato. But what's one more thing you think of that we didn't cover that you would like to make sure? Or maybe it's something we covered that you just want to really hit on again about inoculant or the message you want to get across to the listeners. Yeah, can I have two? Okay. <laughs> well, all right, fine. Two, but I'll make them short, Buster. Yeah, I'm feeling like a rebel today. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I can tell. <laughs> I think just on the management, just a reminder on inoculant management specifically that you know those are live organisms. So you keep them away from the heat, from uh, the product, from moisture, from sunlight. You try to use a package and dilute everything and use, you know, as fast as possible. Of course, breakage can happen. And if it's in solution in the tank, we try to keep that solution at least, you know, at, or at the most, 99 degrees Fahrenheit. So once it starts getting in the 90s, the bacteria will start to die. So just a reminder on the inoculant management. And uh, my last one, it's just something that I always like to remind people that, you know, I grew up on a farm too, and sometimes we forget. It's about uh, safety and cyber mm-hmm. safety. So it's, we do every day and we're like, if we get on that mentality, the, I got it. That's when something wrong can happen. It's like, oh yeah, I've been done this all day in my life and there's no problem. But, you know, always like stop and look and listen Make sure that, you know, you can be seen. Make sure that people know where you are. And also, try you know, never be alone if you're on the face of, of near the face of the pile for some reason or trying to get some of the uh, of the plastic during feed out. So just, you know, just be, be safe. Yes, absolutely, 100%. We, we love our farmers and we love all farmers. Even if you plant other, other companies, we still love you. We'd want you to be safe. And, and I have, I, I'm sure Renato the same as me. I've walked onto some farms and, and looked at the face of that, uh, silage pile and thought, there's no way in heck I'm walking anywhere close to that thing. Um, because some of them are so high and steep and pretty scary. So those are good, good messages to end on. So again, Renato, we'd like to thank you for taking the time to come on. Um, if somebody wants to dig into some more information, uh, is there a, a website they could go visit uh, with you guys? Yeah, we have our own website, alalamonanimalnutrition.com. Also, there is uh, qualitysilage.com. So there's a lot, there are a lot of resources on that website. And uh, anybody that will have a particular question or has something that wants to approach me, you're more than welcome to send an email. My email is rschmidt at lalaman.com. And, you know, feel free to, to reach and, and ask questions or, you know, anything that I can help with. And we are also, I mean, I do have to put a plug in here. We are also proud to now be um, a, a distributor of Lalaman products for the Magneva program, uh, Magneva corn silage, uh, high moisture corn, hay, whatever you're in. We would love to be work with you on that as well. So, well, with that, we're going to close things out. And again, I'd like to thank our guests for coming on. And if you really liked this, because I know that you did, uh, make sure and subscribe. Uh, we have a lot of old or older podcasts that we kind of missed for a little while. And I know we know you guys were missing us, but we're back. And so uh, we're going to continue to put out great content. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything and take the time to do that. You won't regret it. But also you can check out our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, a lot of great videos on there and some some recent stuff we've done. It's pretty fun and exciting to watch. Or you can visit seedcorn.com or robseco.com as well. And so just want to thank you all and everyone have a blessed day. 
Well, that's it for today's episode of The Dairy Dive. We hope you enjoyed the new format, and if you did, we would so appreciate it if you would leave us a review. A good one, we hope. Uh, But those reviews help us increase our visibility and uh, reach more people in the dairy community. So thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.